half a cinch. This is a music appreciation podcast where we talk about albums from 1972. And this is it. This is our last episode. Oh, my name's Mike. His name's JR. Hey, kind of sad, but hey. Yeah, it's been a it's it's been fun. Uh, it's been informative. And um, yeah, sometimes a little, sometimes a little frustrating, getting a uh, an episode out every week. I don't know what I was thinking with this uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this goal that I set for ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes life gets in the way, but we did it. We made it. We're here. And um, well, because we started this whole thing out with. Aretha Franklin, we decided to bookend this whole thing with Aretha Franklin uh, because she had two albums that came out this year, 1972. Um, the first one we did, the very first episode, Young, Black, and Gifted. Great album. Really good. Young, but, Gifted, and Black. But what I say? Young, Black, and Gifted. <laughs> hey, uh, you know. You get in, it. In any order. <laughs> They work in any order. Yep. But that album, as good as it is, commercially, critically, it doesn't hold a candle to her live album that she put out, Amazing Grace. Uh, Double record. Uh, It is the number one selling live gospel album of all time. It It is her... All-time selling disc. I don't know if I don't know if the that if that means anything. Disc over over vinyl, but it is her all-time selling disc of her entire career. Hmm. Uh, so that's pretty crazy, right? Uh, when it came out, I guess it sold two million copies in the U.S. Just in the just in the United States, two million two million copies. Uh, it went double platinum. Um, yeah, double the, album too, which is pretty cool. For yeah, that. yeah, hour and a half long. Uh, she did this. She did this uh, at. Uh, oh, let me get the. Let me bring up the notes. Gotta make sure I know what I'm talking about here. A lot of different places. Uh, no, no, just one place actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the the New Temple Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles did it over two nights uh had the help of the the reverend there his name was uh James Cleveland he was he was a good singer good piano player in his own right and backed up by the Southern California Community Choir um yeah it's uh it won a Grammy for best soul gospel album that year um, before we get into more any more details, uh, Jr., what do you think? I I know you and you and I aren't we're not religious people, really. Um, you know, we we definitely we definitely understand the 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 power of gospel music, the mm-hmm. the positivity that comes to it. The, I mean, and that's that's what I was absorbing from it was just just that just that energy. Yeah, I was never. I've never been fortunate enough to be at like a Baptist, like um, service. 
you know, like a true one with the music and everything. My, my, my father was a Pentecostal for a little bit. That's about as close as I've, I've gotten with the, with the music where it's like not the white Christian music. That's all like, Oh God, you are our God. It's like this get down. Basically the the music's actually good. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a kid that grew up in the, in being forced to go to Christian church, you know, there were a lot of times where I was like, I don't want to be on this side with these people. But the only times I got joy was when the music was good like that. I'd be like, you know what? Maybe this isn't so bad because the music can get really good sometimes. And I think gospel is the pinnacle of that. So I think the reason that this album, one of the reasons probably sold so much through its you know, shelf life is it's basically a show it's a two-night show of hers and if yeah. you want to get the good experience of her and her prime just by this record so it, you're, you're absolutely right it, it it is her and her prime uh she you know when she had the idea to do this um you know just from what i know from little things i've read and and you know what they portray in, in movies and documentaries is that her people were were skeptical of this they didn't really want her to do this they didn't think that it was going to turn out well. And with so many, this, I mean, it seems to be a reoccurring story with a lot of artists that want to go do a live album somewhere. Mm -hmm. People are always just like, no, you know, don't, don't do that. It's not going to be good. You know, Johnny Cash doing Cook County, or not Cook County. That was BB, BB King doing Cook County, Johnny Cash doing Folsom. Folsom, yeah. Yeah. Just these, um, <laughs> yeah, just these, the, I want to turn a live show into an album. And, you know, everyone just being like, I don't know. I don't know if you should do this or not. And they always turn out to be incredible. Yeah. And there's the big differences. And she's in the echelon of people that don't overdub. Like, this is truly the show. Yeah. This is the show. There's no, like, going back in the studio later and adding any audience or, like, overdubs of her vocals or anything. This is exactly how the show went down those two nights. Yeah. Yeah. And. It's um, I I I love the I mean I, talking about growing up and and going to church. Yeah, of course. When I was a kid, I was, you know, I was dragged there by my parents, and and I didn't really find it all, you know, that interesting. Of course, it's, and unfortunately, the music played at at where I went to. I don't even know what denomination it was. Music was just always just so like. I don't know, just so bleak and sad. It was like a, just a dirge, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, I hear, I hear the music from this album and, and, and especially, especially the tunes that are like, you know, those, like those fast tunes that make you like dance, mm -hmm. you know, that yeah, this, the scene in blues brothers, like that kind of yeah. shit that like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I love that. I, I, it really, it really makes you move. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah this album had that this album also had like had the the hymns that that just it didn't it didn't seem so like i don't know it didn't it just didn't seem so like dark and bleak and stuff like you might hear at other like you know churches it was even like yeah even the sad stuff like felt like positive you know mm -hmm. it felt soulful yeah exactly mm -hmm. um so they they filmed this as you know i don't know did you watch did you watch amazing grace i did not watch it no so 
Sidney Pollock, you know, famous director. Uh, you might you might know him from uh, being an actor as well. Uh, he he was assigned to direct the, to to film it, and uh, there was a problem <laughs> in that he didn't use a clapperboard uh, <laughs> before takes, so he had no way to sync the audio and the film. He he, it was just scattered. He had no way to sync it up, and so unfortunately, it sat in a vault for thirty-eight years. It just wow. it just sat there. In two thousand eight, Sidney Pollock, he was he he didn't have like a whole lot of time left, and maybe he knew it, and he was like, "I need to pass this off to someone else," and <laughs> and yeah, and he passed it off to a guy named Alan Elliott. I don't really know much about this guy. Uh. And he took it and he spent two years working on it to complete it, to, to sync up all the audio. <laughs> um, yeah. And then in 2011, he wanted to put it out and Aretha uh, sued him. And she used, <laughs> she used the, uh, she used the, uh, the legal ease for uh, likeness, use of likeness. Mm. that was that was without the, without her permission without her permission right? yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so uh so yeah that didn't that didn't work uh and then i guess they went and they they rifled through uh, warner brothers uh file drawers and they found the original contract that she signed i i, I didn't see any specifics on what that contract said but apparently because they found that contract the producer thought that he could go ahead and do it now and so he entered it into the chicago film festival toronto film festival the telluride film festival uh this was like in 2015 Mm -hmm. and before that could happen she sued again (laughs) she sued again and the court actually awarded her an emergency injunction uh so that the the they didn't they didn't get a chance to play and the uh in the film festivals hmm. and uh you know i'm sure aretha i'm sure that she had her reasons i'm sure that like maybe it was a thing where like she wasn't going to see any money from this or maybe she just thought that uh the album just needed to be it, its own thing like did you watch it i did i did watch it was there anything in there that made her seem like gritty is she like smoking a cigarette or drinking or any because she's very no. religious she's she says something about her own self-image like wanting yeah. to protect her own self-image I, I just wondered if there's anything her cussing in it or doing anything where she as an older woman yeah. would have been very against the releasing no not at all uh, the, okay the, i she, and then like she died um and then like three months after she died the the family made an ag- agreement with the producer to release it. And so that's why it, it finally came out in 2018. Um, it was something she didn't like. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know, know what it was, but it's something she did not like. I will say the one thing, the one thing that kind of bothered me about the album and, and the film itself is that she, she is basically there as, as an artist, as a singer and, I felt like that was it. Like she was, she was just kind of, I mean, this was her idea 
this was her idea. She planned the whole thing. She got there and she, she, she did her job amazingly, but I didn't feel like she had like control over her own self or I don't know if she's like a shy person, but she didn't, she didn't talk at all throughout the whole thing. And you probably hear it on the album. Um, the Reverend uh, Cleveland, he does all of the talking. He introduces her. He's the one that he like, he says like what song is coming up next. He does all of the banter. And at one point her dad, CL Franklin, another Reverend, he gets up and he talks about her in a very heartwarming way. He, like he, he talks about how she was young and she, she started singing and that's, and that's really great. But I just felt it was a little weird that she didn't, she didn't actually have any like little personal touches to the show herself. She didn't, she didn't say anything that wasn't song lyrics. Like that's the only thing that came out of her mouth the whole time. And I don't right. know if, I don't know if that was because, cause it's a, it's a religious thing. And you know, this Reverend it's his, it's his church. It's, you know, he, he's the, you know, he's the patriarch. Leader, yeah. He's the sure. leader of this. And that it wasn't, she felt like, you know, in that sort of customary thing, it wasn't her place to say anything. I don't know. It was, I don't know, but that's, that's beside the point. That was the only thing that kind of irked me. It was like, she didn't even like at the very end of the show, she said, thank you. God bless. But she never, she never said anything in between the songs ever. Right. Well, I mean, her dad's a reverend, so she grew up that way. Yeah. I'm sure she just had that. Like you said, it's his temple. So yeah, yeah. But uh, the I mean, the music really does like speak for itself. Uh, this is this is her same band from the earlier album. You know, we had we had uh, um, Chuck Rainey on bass, Cornell Dupree on guitar, and the incredible Bernard Purdy on the drums. And oh, yeah. it's it's cool in the uh, in the film. There's like, there's like a little section where it shows each guy warming up. Um, mm. It's pretty cool, like because you really you really don't see them much throughout the, the like the actual performances. The camera focuses on her and the crowd. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they're I there. love to watch him warm up. He's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's. I mean, we've talked about pretty before. The pretty shuffle, invented oh, yeah. that uh yeah james cleveland he plays the piano a little bit and they they actually had a an additional key player and it says that there is some additional percussion uh i don't know if they were there at the show if that they added that later in the studio yeah Uh, so if they so maybe they did add some overdubs who knows yeah um but yeah it's uh i mean it's it's a long record I mean, I actually, I split it in half, you know, I just kind of, I listened to like half of it and then went about my day and then came back to it. And uh, the movie itself is an hour and a half too. So there might be a couple songs cut out Mm -hmm. in the movie. But um, yeah. It seems like, yeah, there's like 14 songs the first night, 13 the second. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they show that many. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, pretty much all of them, all of them were covers. Uh, there's a, a few traditional spirituals in there. They do uh, a Marvin Gaye song, Holy Holy, 
mm-hmm. which is actually one of the standout songs on there for sure. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorites. I think Never Grow Old is probably my favorite. Just the sound quality on that one's really good too. Yeah, the very last one, that one was like pretty much just her and piano. Yeah, like it's very, it, very good. It's 10 minute, 10 minute track. She vamps a lot on that one. Mm-hmm. And then like right in the middle of the album, Amazing Grace. I thought it was interesting that Amazing Grace like ends the first record. Mm-hmm. Uh, does like an 11 minute version of that and um yeah and it just just like just the way that she's just like her voice just like becomes like an instrument and it's just soloing like not even not even saying words just like right just shouting it's great you can tell she's vamped on that tune a lot in her Uh, life since she was since she was a little kid she's got a lot of little a lot of little runs and things that she's built up over time and she's in her prime now so she's just got like these this pocket full of trills that she can pull out vocal trills that she can do with and, and with that song i mean like i said i'm sure she's been singing that since she was six six years old yeah so uh yeah another good one how i got over uh by clara ward that one was a real standout to me yeah um yeah i mean we don't really have to go down through the track list uh it really does kind of mesh together. I mean, a lot. Yeah. All, the, the shows really feel like if you like song one on this record, you're gonna like the rest of them. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's 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 a it's a gospel show. It, it is what it is, and that's what it's. I think that's a testament to, you know, how I think the sales of the record are really a testament to you know how strong of a performance it is. Um, and gospel shows can really be revivals basically you know people give up their whole life to jesus and all this kind of stuff at these revivals i mean they're they're no joke people like that's why when we grew up in boring white church and they talk about people having like the spirit inside of them and being on (laughs) fire for jesus or speaking tongues or something you're like whatever you know to this music but then you hear this and you're like oh yeah i could see where someone would just start dancing and speaking in tongues and being like you know, thinking that the Lord, the Holy Spirit has a hold of them or something, you know, like, so, I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's very much a gospel show. You feel like you're going to church the whole time, um, yeah. but it's, and, but it's great. And the, the choir is, is solid. The choir like, is fantastic. Yeah. Especially how I got over. That's one of the ones where they really play with her. Yeah. Like back and forth. So. Yeah. That and old landmark uh yeah doing the call and response on that one is really good mm-hmm. and in in the in the video it's like they're just all like having such a good time on the in the film i mean and um yeah they're all just like having such a good time they all got these cool like matching outfits that nice. it's not like it's not like churchy robes either they're like they're like glittery and they you oh, know it cool. looked, yeah, yeah it looked it looked like they're on you know like on star search or something yeah cool. <laughs> star search wow <laughs> um but yeah it's uh you know i thought why not why not save this one for the end uh here we are we're getting close to the holiday times right yeah right now (laughs) um so it's a good one a good one to end on around this time um i don't really have uh much else to say about it um but it's a good record thumbs up for me yeah and Aretha is, is, I mean, she's the queen of soul. She's, 
uh, at that time they were calling what's her, her the dad lady say well what's her dad what's her dad say she's a I don't care what you say about her or what you think about her she's a stone singer yeah like that's pretty cool when your own dad's <laughs> just like I don't care I don't give a shit what you think or her have heard since she was six years old yeah she's been a stone singer like and she is she's one of the best that'll ever be she was a little bit of a diva later later in life but what are you going to do whenever your voice whenever your voice is your whole thing of course you're going to be weird about how the ac in a place or you know like i i, I understand but yeah. uh she's she's the one yeah i know that's cool I, yeah i i i forgot to uh yeah talk about the her dad talking about that a little bit more but yeah that's good that you brought that back up because that was that was that was a great moment in the whole show yeah he's like we're sitting in the living room singing songs and i'm just like overwhelmed with emotion because not because she's my daughter not because like because she's just blew blow me away with her voice like she's just incredible she was born you know even even as a parent you know like to be blown away by your own child that much must be overwhelming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. It's a good, it's a proud dad moment. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, exactly. you definitely can relate. But, um, well, uh, so if you made it this far in the show, um, well, I just want to say, uh, thanks. thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all of our friends. Who, who came on and participated in this um and you know it was just a fun thing i don't i don't even care if anyone like listened at all uh because you know jr you helped me out with this man and it's it's been a lot of fun to do this with you yeah and, for sure dude i learned a lot yeah and, some cool like i learned that, that ween is like super influenced by the albums from 1972 <laughs> yeah yeah Uh, there's just a lot there's a lot from 50 years ago that's very applicable today and that rules that as a musician that gives me hope that it's all not been done because this shit's 50 years old inspiring stuff now so it's pretty sweet yeah it's uh it's been a fun project and um yeah it's been it's been good to to see you like every week too just to like yeah hang out and talk to you Mm -hmm. again it's almost like uh we're we're still living in the same town again yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) um anyway so we got a very special sign off for this last episode and here we go you ready jr i'm ready happy Happy 50th 50th Bye, everybody. Happy holidays.